am Jaden Rain, and you are tuned in to the Black Women Know Sports podcast. This is our first official episode with an interview, so I am so excited to have this out. Um, our special guest today is none other than Lisa Salters. And if you don't know who Lisa Salters is, let's just say she is the GOAT of sports journalism in my eyes, which you will hear me mention. Um, in the interview. But if you ever tuned into an NFL game or an NBA game and you saw Lisa on the sidelines reporting, you know exactly what she's about and you know exactly the kind of quality that she brings to sports and you know the kind of example that she is for black women who want to be involved in sports. So I was so blessed to land this interview. Although I interviewed her two years ago, I do believe that everything in this interview still speaks and still is relevant to today's topics. Um, I believe Lisa gave just so much knowledge that I can really I need to keep listening to it to wrap my head around just so many gems and her experiences are so real and I'm loving every single second of it so I won't talk your ear off any longer here is the podcast and please don't forget to follow like comment share do whatever you have to do to make sure that another black woman in sports can listen to this podcast or you know just someone else who you think loves lisa or loves sports or anything like that would love to listen to here's the interview all right so if you do not know who lisa salters is um just know that she is what i call the goat of broadcast journalism um you were definitely one of the ladies i looked up to growing up and um i just enjoyed watching you and even to this day um so i'm just gonna start off by asking you um, could you tell me a little bit about your journey and what makes Lisa Salters, Lisa Salters today? Um, wow, that's a, that's a lot. Uh, let's see, my journey started, uh, I was born and raised in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. Um, my parents still live there. Uh, I went to Penn State, majored in uh, broadcast journalism, journalism with a broadcast option. And um, from there, my first job in television was in Baltimore. Um, and I worked there as a local reporter for five, for seven years. And then uh, kind of got scooped up by the network, by ABC News. And they sent me to Los Angeles uh, to cover the OJ Simpson trials. So I was out there doing that uh, for, for several years. And um, I'd say five years altogether, I was in uh, LA for ABC. And then uh, I made a lateral move since ABC and ESPN are both owned by the Walt Disney Company. I made what was considered a lateral move uh, going to ESPN in, in 2000. And I've been there since uh, ever since. So what are we, 2020? So I've been at ESPN now uh, for 21 years. Awesome, that's amazing. And we're gonna get into all that, um, have some more questions about that um, in the future. But for right now, um, who did you admire whenever you were growing up? Who did you look up to that impacted the way you went your path today? Um, I would say there was a, uh, there is a, uh, an anchor in Philadelphia. Her name is Lisa Thomas-Laurie. And she was always someone that I looked up to, you know, watching the news growing up. Um, you know, I saw someone who I thought, you know, I could do that. She looks like me. And, uh, you know, a woman, an African-American woman in the chair. And uh, I thought, uh, you know, I didn't really know much about the difference between being a reporter or an anchor or a producer or anything like that. So uh, I didn't obviously take the anchor route, um, but I saw what she was doing and I thought that looks interesting and I can do that too. And so she was the person that I looked up to uh, growing up, like as a, as a teenager. 
And I was fortunate enough to meet her um, as a teenager and, and uh, kind of keep in touch with her as a, a young uh, aspiring reporter and journalist. So, um, you know, I credit her uh, for giving me the, the aspiration to want to, to be a journalist because I saw her doing it. Awesome. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And when did you know, like, when did it click to you that this is something that you're going to be doing full time or that this is something that you're going to be um, inspiring others to do one day? Well, I never looked at it like that. I never looked at it as if I would be inspiring anyone else. Um, I just wanted to, you know, when you're in college, you just want to get good grades and then you want to hopefully have a job when you get out of college. So, um, you know, I knew I, that I wanted to work in television and I just wanted to make a good living. That was really, my intention was not to be uh, the goat or to be considered the goat or to be considered uh, really good or um, to be considered iconic or um, even a, a role model. That just wasn't what the intention was. I just wanted to be successful and I wanted to uh, do whatever job that I that I got, I wanted to do it well, and you know, to make your family proud. Um, so everything that's happened since has been, um, you know, a little overwhelming at times. It's it's been certainly humbling, um, but it was never, you know, like you hear a lot of athletes that from the very beginning they're like, I want to be the greatest of all time. I want to be, you know, I want to be the best, and I want to win and all that. I I just wanted to be successful. I just wanted to be good. Uh, and good enough to be able to support myself and, and to make a living. So uh, the fact that uh, I've been blessed with so much um, that my cup really kind of has been overflowing uh, for, for a while now is um, it, it's humbling and it, it cer certainly makes me look back and appreciate everything that I've got. And you have done an amazing job, as you know. Um, so thank you for once again, motivating me as well. Um, I kind of want to go into your um, Christmas Day 2017 journey. Um, so I read this on ESPN. It said um, you accomplished the rare feat of working mm -hmm. an NBA game in New York in the afternoon, followed by a primetime MNF game on, in, in Philadelphia. Um, now this, in my eyes, it's a dream come true because I love basketball and football. But I want to know, was this a little bit, um, you know, like, pressure or was it just like oh cool I'm just doing NBA and football at the same time on the same day like what was it like? it was that was uh it you know it was Christmas day so to me I would have preferred to do probably just the the Monday night football game um because it was Christmas day and I, I wanted some time at home with my son uh who I believe at the time was that was 2017 he was three and so, you know, the thought of having to get up super early, which is ultimately what we did, got up, I got up super early, like 6 a.m., spent an hour with him on Christmas, and then um, uh, went to New York, uh, did that game, and then came, you know, got driven right back to Philadelphia um, to, do, uh, to do the Monday night game. So I didn't see it as pressure. I just saw it as, a, as an overload of work. It was like working overtime. That that's that's really what it was. Uh, I didn't. I felt like I was completely prepared for both events, um, but it was a lot. It was a lot in the week. You know, a lot of preparation goes into into doing a game, 
And so doing one game. So even if you're doing two games in the same week, that's a lot, but doing two games on the same day, that can be a little overwhelming. So that wasn't my preference. Um, and I didn't really realize that how rare it was that um, I think only Michelle Tafoya had ever done it before. Um, but uh, I'm glad it's over with. It's what, four years in the rear view. I'm happy about that. So was it a fun experience or were you just like, oh my goodness, this is like a little bit stressful? Like, uh, it wasn't stressful. It was just, it was just a lot of work. It was just a lot of work. Um, so, you know, the time that I had to, to just kind of chill and relax was in the car ride, uh, you know, to New York and then back to Philadelphia. Um, and it wasn't a whole lot of, you know, resting because you're in that car ride back to Philadelphia, you're kind of like picking up all the loose, tying up all the loose ends maybe that you had uh, for that game, that things that maybe you may not have been able, had the time to get to because of the basketball game. Um, so getting those last minute interviews done on the phone or whatever the case may be. So it, it wasn't stressful in that um, I wasn't sure if I was gonna make it or anything like that. It was just, uh, it was just like, imagine having a lot of, a lot of um, you know, like if you had like two finals on the same day. Mm. that that's kind of what it was like yes ma'am well I hope you're able to still enjoy Christmas on that day were you uh no <laughs> no the, um so it, it kind of just came for me the next day I flew to Turks and Caicos the next day and was out for a week so yeah that's, my son and I took a vacation and so that's kind of what really what my focus was just getting through that day and being able to relax and have a holiday uh, on the 26th. So that's exactly what I did. So um, before arriving at ESPN, you worked for ABC News from 1995 to 2000. Um, that was based in LA and you were named the first West Coast correspondent for the ABC affiliate news service, News One, in February of 1995. Um, now some of us know what happened in 1995, but for those who didn't, that is when the OJ Simpson trial took place, which you were alluding to earlier. Um, I was just kind of wondering, can you take me back to those moments? What was that like um, being able to report on that? Uh, well, for me, you know, I was 28 years old. I had made it to the network. So I was pretty proud of that uh, because, you know, aspiring journalists, you know, you want to get to the network by the time you're 30. So, you know, I was at the network, but I was also covering, you know, the trial of the century. <laughs> so that was uh, that was pressure. That was stressful. Uh, you don't want to bomb, you know, it's my first network assignment. You don't want to bomb. Uh, and it's something that everyone was watching. And I mean, everyone was watching that trial every day. Um, so, you know, I still have people come up to me in airports and say like, oh, I remember when you were doing the OJ Simpson trial. Um, so, uh, and, and my job was pretty unique at the time. It was, um, it was, I was working at the network, but I was the affiliate reporter. So all of the ABC networks around the country could pay uh, ABC to have me on their show covering the trial for five minutes at a time uh, during their news cycle. So I would be on in, you know, it, would, it was saving, saving local markets money. They didn't have to send the reporter to camp out there for a year uh, in Los Angeles because I was the one there for everybody. So I would be on in Miami, Chicago, um, just you name it, New Orleans, every, every city that wanted to 
do OJ coverage every day, which was every city, uh, had me. And, you know, NBC and CBS had similar uh, reporters in, in the same role. Um, so, but if you were watching ABC and you were looking for OJ, the OJ Simpson trial on your news, uh, in your daily news, you saw me every day. Um, so, um, again, there wasn't a whole lot of time to, um, to really reflect and realize the, the impact and kind of like your place in this history. Uh, I was just trying to stay above water and trying not to mess up, um, just trying to do a good job. So now that I look back on it and I see all of the uh, documentaries and things that are done on the trial, um, I didn't realize how historic it was at the time, uh, but looking back on it now, yeah, I mean, it, it's something that I'm, uh, that I'm certainly proud to have been able to, to cover. And I, and I say that knowing that, you know, people died. So it, it, um, it was, uh, you know, it was a sad story too, um, but, knowing the, the impact and the place that that, that trial had in, in our country, um, it certainly was, uh, it was an interesting thing to be a part of. What is your most memorable interview or story that you've done? The most, uh, there's so many. Um, I've interviewed uh, the Haitian women's, women's soccer team, um, you know, as they, battle to try to qualify for the World Cup, um, underdogs all the way. But for them, it, was a, it wasn't about, you know, getting to the World Cup. It was getting to the World Cup so that they didn't have to go back to Haiti. Haiti had just had that earthquake. Uh, the living conditions were absolutely deplorable there. Um, so these women were just trying to play soccer so that they didn't have to be in that hell. Um, and... Um, they didn't qualify. We went back to them to their homeland to see where they were living, and it was just absolutely awful, heart wrenching. Uh, so that that left an impact on me. Um, we did a story about uh, uh, a, ma a mascot at the University of North Carolina. Um, you know, the guy wears the costume and uh, of Ramses, and uh, he was killed in a in a car accident, and he. Um, had put on his driver's license that he wanted to be an organ donor. And his parents uh, struggled with that, but ultimately honored his wishes. And we did a story about all the lives that he impacted and saved um, with his organs. And um, so I'll always remember that because I still keep in touch with, um, with that family that was absolutely you know, devastated by the loss of their son, um, but so proud uh, about um, just kind of the thoughtfulness that he had in wanting to help people. Um, so that was a story that I'll, I'll never forget. And just a couple of years ago, we did a story on a transgender high school athlete, um, Matt Dawkins and Matt's uh, transition uh, to becoming a, a male and, and just how obviously the obstacles, you can imagine what the obstacles were for him and still are for him. Uh, but he, you know, listening to him tell his story, I was a little reluctant at first, um, just because I didn't really understand the whole transgender issue um, and didn't really want to know about it. Um, and he really kind of opened my eyes and educated me uh, because I was ignorant. Uh, and he educated me on, on, on that issue. And um, that was a pretty impactful story 
as well. We won an Emmy for that story. So uh, proud of that as well. But there've been so many, I mean, it's hard to, to name, you know, it's hard to name just one. What I, what I will treasure most about uh, my career when I'm done is uh, the relationships that you make with people, the coaches, the players, the coaches' families, uh, you know, their husbands, their wives, their kids. And so, you know, you may do an interview that, you know, didn't win any awards or anything like that, but you formed a relationship with that person that you still have um, and you become friends with that person or just respectful colleagues of that person. The next time you see them, you know, how, how is your son doing? Oh, it's his first year in college or her first year in college. It's, it's, it's things like that, that, that you remember. So of course I remember the stories, but I remember the people and, and the relationships. And I think that I will remember those most uh, when I'm done. Piggybacking off of that, um, what would you say one of the biggest lessons you've learned would be? Uh, one of the biggest lessons that I've learned throughout my career? Yes, ma'am. Uh, I would say that um, the biggest personal lesson that I've learned, I would say, would be don't believe the hype. So don't believe the hype. You are never as good or as bad as people say you are. So, uh, you know, as far as Twitter and social media, I, some people think that I'm great. Other people think that I'm the worst possible ever and should be fired every day, you know? So, you know, that to keep, to keep it right here, that that's kind of, um, over the course of my 30 plus years is just don't believe the good or the bad that people say about you, you know, how good or bad you are, you know what your strengths are, you know what your weaknesses are, you know what you have to work on day to day. Don't become complacent. Keep working on like it's it's you know very analogous to to an athlete and to your cousin Calvin. I'm sure he would say the same thing. Just keep working on your game. Don't listen to any of the outside noise. Just keep working on your game, knowing what you have to improve on. Um, and uh, that so that would be the, the the one thing that I've learned personally. Um, just kind of professionally that everyone's story, you know, deserves to be told. So as a journalist, you know, sometimes you may feel like, eh, like I told you with the Matt Dawkins story, like I was like, eh, I don't really feel like investing in this. I don't really want to hear, you know, the whole transgender issue. I'm not really into all that. And um, I just remember one of my colleagues, Jeff Van Gundy was saying to me, he was like, well, who, do, who are you to decide like whose story gets to be told if this doesn't? And I was like, you're absolutely right. Um, everybody's story deserves to be told and everyone has a story to tell. So it is my job to tell it in uh, the best way that I can so that, that their story is told. Um, so those are the two things that I would say that I've learned the most throughout my career. Very good lessons. Those are definitely gonna help me in the future. So thank you for that. So you also, you've covered plenty of major um, international sporting events. Um, I kind of want to know, what's the difference between covering the NFL or the NBA versus the Olympics in Athens, Greece? The NBA and the NFL, like I've been doing both of those for so long that, you know, the I know everyone, they know me. So it's kind of like, um, it's very comfortable. The covering the Olympics, you know, when you do an international story, you're going to somebody else's home now. And so things don't always work the same way that they do here in the United States. So, you know, you're, there's, you're always kind of maneuvering and trying to figure things out as you go. Um, but I love to travel. So I always loved um, doing international stories. I don't 
love it as much um, now just because, you know, I have a, uh, a seven, soon to be eight year old. So I don't like being away uh, from home that much. Um, but uh, back in the day when I did like to travel, like you could, there wasn't anywhere that you could send me that I wouldn't want to go. And I, and, you know, I've been to uh, Iraq. I've been to, uh, you know, I've covered the Olympics in Nagano, Japan. I've covered the Olympics in uh, Torino and Italy. Um, uh, I've, I've gone to, I was in China just a couple of years ago covering a story about um, a basketball player, Isaiah Austin. Um, so I've been a lot of places covering a lot of different stories. Uh, the, um, the World Cup in Korea. So, um, I, and I loved all of them. I loved all of those assignments. I loved all of those places. I love to travel personally. Um, but, uh, but now it's, it's really just kind of personal travel when I travel internationally. That way I can bring my son with me. Um, so uh, yeah, things are different when you're, when you're on the road, but uh, you, you kind of have to, and a lot of people say, people say, will tell you this, you know, how do you travel so much? Like, do you like traveling? I love it. So it doesn't bother me, but it's not for everyone. Not everyone likes to be away from home that much. Um, but me, I just like being new places, seeing new things, eating new food. Um, but it's not for everyone. Yes, ma'am. And I too love to travel. So hopefully I'll be able to do some traveling in the future with my sports endeavors as well. Um, so you covered, um, like I said, um, international uh, sporting events, but you also covered um, national and international news, um, including the conflicts in the African countries of Rwanda and Somalia. Um, you returned to Rwanda in the spring of 2012 with the Girl Effect Initiative to teach young girls about journalism. Um, this is something that you did outside of sport. So why was this so important to you? Um, well, it was, um, it was outside of sports, but it was also because of a connection, a relationship that I had in sports. So, uh, you know, several years ago, I, um, did an interview with Tiger Woods early on in his career. Um, and we, we did the interview out at the Nike campus in Beaverton, Oregon. And so during that story, I, um, you know, connected with and uh, formed a relationship with the their head PR guy for golf at the time, and uh, we have been friends ever since. Uh, he and his family, I've you know, I've seen the birth of his kids, all of that, and he then went on an assignment of he wanted to create something for Nike, uh, this program to teach uh, this journalism program, um, you know to young girls in Rwanda. So he and his wife and kids up and went to live in Rwanda for about a year. <laughs> and um, just kind of doing different things um, through Nike with, with, that, with that country. And this program, he said, you know, if I, if I start this journalism program, will you come for a week? And I was like, sure. He's like, you know, we'll, we'll pay for it. You just, will you come? So I actually took the time off of work from ESPN to go do that. So it wasn't about sports or about work, but it happened because of, you know, my relationship um, uh, with someone um, through the course of my work. So yeah, that was, um, that was a lot of fun. Like uh, the artwork I have in my house is from uh, a local artist there in uh, in Rwanda that I got. Um. So what do you say to young ladies and girls who look up to you today? Um, what advice would you give me or any other um, African-American woman who wants to get into sports? What advice would you have for us today? Uh, just 
to do you, to um, don't let anyone tell you that you can't. Uh, don't again, don't believe the hype, good or bad. Uh, know your own game and keep working on it. Um, and and present yourself the way that you would want to be, that the way that you want to be received. So if you want to be received as a, as a journalist and a professional, then act that way, talk that way, dress that way. Um, people, will, people will treat you the way that you present yourself. And, um, you know, I've, ne I've never had an issue. I've never had a problem. I, I have looked at, some, at people at times and thought, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you wearing? Like, what, where are you going? Um, you know, but it, it's not for me to judge, but I always think that, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'd be comfortable doing that for me because I, um, you know, I, I want to be, I want to, I don't want to be perceived as anybody's buddy or pal or potential girlfriend or anything like that. I just want you to see me as, as a journalist. And so, you know, just, uh, always put put what you know what you put out there should be what you want to get back and i'm just going to have like a quick rapid fire with you um it's going to be 30 seconds i'm going to go ahead and set my timer basically in this time i'm just going to ask you some fast questions and if you respond to them in 30 seconds then i guess you win <laughs> okay so let me go ahead and set the timer all right so what is your go-to snack Snack, go-to snack. Oh uh, gosh, I love it. Sunflower seeds. Sunflower seeds. Okay. Um, your favorite book. Uh, favorite book. Um, I read so, any anything that's kind of like a, a murder mystery, that kind of thing. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Your ideal vacation. Thailand. Thailand. Uh, the best movie you've ever seen. Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. Okay. Awesome. One second remaining. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, just a quick little question. What's next for Lisa Salters? What can we expect next from you in the future? More of the same, hopefully. Um, you know, hopefully I'll be back on the sidelines again uh, for the 2021-2022 season. Um, more NBA. Uh, E60 is doing well. Um, so we hope to, you know, what's next is hopefully that this pandemic will be over and we can kind of get back to doing, telling stories the way that we, you know, want to tell them and, you know, actually sitting in front of the, the person that you're, I mean, instead of doing it via Zoom, that kind of thing. Um, so I'm hoping that what's next is getting back to uh, how we used to do things and, and getting back to, to, to meeting people and to, to forming relationships and to, um, building on relationships that's that's what i hope is next well thank you so much i'm looking forward to it and once again thank you for this interview you're so impactful and so inspiring so thank you once again and um i guess i'm humbled i can't believe i'm actually sitting here with you virtually but sitting here with you. thank you yes ma'am that means a lot thank you very much i appreciate it good luck with everything in your career thank you so much thank you